Hello and welcome to Fascinatingly Odd, Fantastically Queer, a podcast by JK and Darren. Um, so on today's episode, we have the amazing, the inspirational, the kind, the lovely um, Ben Peachy. Hi, hello. Uh, so we talk uh, to Ben about fashion and I get a bit of an education about people that I don't know the names of and I won't repeat here because I'll get them wrong. Yes, an education that's much needed, Speedy, much needed. Um, but I'm sure that you'll look Michelangelo's. Michelangelo's Statue of David, Darren. <laughs> Leave me alone. I've got an education too. It's, it's not my week. It's your week now. Um, but I, this episode is uh, a really nice and lovely episode. And it's actually like one I feel like we can take forward, like lessons to learn for everyday life. And and the whole kind of mindset of how we deal with the lockdown, how we deal with our mental health during that period and kind of what activism could look like during that period is touched upon as well through this um, and so I think that if you are in lockdown, which you are, uh, congratulations, welcome to the club, listen to this podcast and find out some tips about it. And even post lockdown as well, because I mean, this podcast will be up for a while. There's some just tips uh, of how to do, do those things wherever and whenever you are in your life and the stages that that might be. So on with the podcast. Take it away. That was really good. That was, I feel like that one's like the best one we've got. That <laughs> was delayed on my side. Yeah, but you're always delayed. <laughs> Oh, it's incredible. It's very much like um, uh, Untucked. I right. love that. Oh, I'm gl- we're going to take that. Like, that's, that's a compliment. <laughs> well, not that we've been able to see that this season Yeah, I don't know what they're holding back. <sighs> I know, right? It's so anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> um, so I guess I'll start by asking the first question that we ask all the um, guests is, um, where are you? And if you could choose somewhere to record that's relevant to your queer journey, where would you have recorded to? Uh, so right now, you are in the wilds of East Yorkshire, in the actual middle of nowhere, in what I'd say society's about 50 years ago at the minute. So you're somewhere in the 70s. So lots of angry staring, pitchforks, very cis-normative. If I could have my dream, um, we'd obviously record in the capital, Londres. That's where it's all happening. That's where it all is. That's where my heart is. Um, was it Mini Diva that left their heart in Tokyo? I left my heart in London. And what is it about London that is why your heart is there? Do you know what it is? I love, well, not at the minute, but I love that it is just busy enough that I can walk down a street and mind my own business. And there is something, like, I know I pull the stairs. Not that you lovely listeners can hear, but I love a little bit of amenity. Like, obviously, you don't get it on the tube or anything, but, like, you can walk down a street or you can pop into Liberty and kind of go unnoticed which is heavenly and feels like queer freedom in 2020 i love how all the shops you could choose then liberty oh yeah that's that's <laughs> my vibe yeah so i'm very i can see that <laughs> i was just gonna say uh, i'm terrible at doing these things but describing your makeup you've got this pink eye uh, shadow on you've got the mascara out uh you've got some eyeliner spots uh I don't know these things. <laughs> yeah, we've got a we've got a severe wing. If she was a bird, she could fly. No chicken run bullshit here. <laughs> and a and a bright red lip. Too. A bright a bright red lip. Yeah, I had a nude on, but you couldn't see my lips, and I was like, you can't have that. And also, not that you can see, but I have curly hair for the first time in my life. Um, if you want reference for the curls, you know when um in. Is it TGI Fire F? I can't remember it. But the Katy Perry song, Thank God It's Friday. Uh, what's it called? I can't remember. Never mind. But she has the makeover. Is it Rebecca Black that gives her the makeover? And she comes down yeah. the stairs and she's got like curly hair. Just that minus the braces. I look great. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. I'm, I'm very much getting that kind of 80s vibe. Especially with yes. that, the headphones are very like Trixie Mattel entrance look to All Stars 3. 
that or slash um, the season five sing along. Oh my god, <laughs> yes. on Trace and Alyssa. <laughs> I lost faith today. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yes, love it. Um, so for you, and like I guess a lot on Instagram is fashions big for you. Yeah, fashion. Like, yeah, I think it's. Um, I don't know what like everyday people feel about fashion but I think for queer people what we put on our back or what we choose to wear is kind of like 50% of who we are it says what and who we are because remember when we were growing up like closeted hidden um we could put clothes on but take clothes off just as easily so it was like our first foray into understanding who we are and so my relationship with fashion has just bloomed and so fashion is I like I hate using things as meaning so much to me, but like I love things. So yeah, fashion is me. Yes, yeah, I remember I watched um what was it? This this one of the shows, I think it was was it the Glow Up one? Glow Up, yeah. Glow up. And then there's there's you just like sitting down at like Fashion Week or one of the, like the shows or whatever it was, and I was like, this Ben yeah um we met we met stacy dooley that day and i honestly thought she was filming for strictly but it was for that one of the nicest women ever slightly problematic with the things with comic relief but at that point in time lovely a lovely woman she was um quite interesting on the show as well i I don't really know why she was on it to be fair she was just no no idea she was a choice (laughs) yeah choices were made and then also when she was on drag race as well again choices yeah Um, not even calling it the right thing never mind poor stacy Oh, Stacey, yeah, bless her. She didn't get the brief. So, so how did you get into the whole fashion world and things? Oh, it's a long story. So, basically, I was born and raised in Queens, and then I landed a job at Mode Max. Oh, wait, that's not me. That's Ugly Betty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, shows like that was where I kind of realised, okay, we're not just queer. We're queer and we love clothes. And um, I left school and was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I ended up working in a nail salon for a year not for me and then did those are dead end jobs and I was like oh hang on I'm not gonna go anywhere so I was like uni let's go to uni and I was like I love fashion can I do a degree in that where I don't have to sew because I'm not looking for my project runway moment and then that's where I found like the kind of degree so I ended up um going to UCA in Surrey we said London because we don't want to say Surrey but it, it is Surrey and I did fashion promotion and imaging and then literally the floodgates opened and that is where the journey started. Oh, wow. Okay. I, was, I had a thing you were going to say, like, Central St. Martins or something then. And, like... No, I'm not thin enough for Central St. Martins. Yeah. And, yeah. And, again, Central St. Martins is a choice too, but... I love I love people that have gone there and made it happen, yes. but also it's I think the ones that go there that don't take it seriously are the kids we know on Instagram. They're the ones with the trust funds and the Margera boots. But the kids that actually go there to work, they're the ones to know. Yeah, definitely. I I I don't understand this whole world. <laughs> this is like eye opening to me. It's very like art school Twitter. Like the raw kids are the St. Martin kids that are like have got loads of money and don't really need to do it that well but if you want to know about the legacy St Martin's is where McQueen came from Stella McCartney did St Martin's like some of Britain's biggest names come from St Martin's and it was um was it Louise I can't remember I think it was Louise Martin and she died and she before that she was like this sort of like operator that made all these careers I mean Galliano went to St Martin's like it's fashion history literally sips tea <laughs> <laughs> love it so in terms of like your instagram then that's both like quite fashion based but also quite like inspirational and you do like there's a lot you do like what made you get into instagram so we'll find your kind of like home in instagram almost 
Oh, so I started my own website like mid-2016 and was like, basically, that's Brexit's fault because I basically sat for three hours and cried and was like, no one is ever going to care about me ever again because basically the public had had their say and I was like, oh, I didn't realise we were going to go that way, but we did. And it made me set up my own website and like there's only so much you can do without putting a lot of like photos on there and the only thing that I had lots of was clothes so I was like we'll take pictures of that and then it sort of snowballed from there and at the same time like my degree was one of those degrees that was like you need a website you need to curate your social media presence like if you didn't like weren't proud of your Instagram you had to put it on private because our tutors would snoop through our social media and like pick it up with us in tutorials if it wasn't on point so like wow. from that that point forward, I was like, no, this needs to look good. And then when I left uni, and obviously I ran out of money for rent, so I had to go back and live with my parents. Very social isolation vibes, but I've been doing it for two years. Um, <laughs> I kind of was like, I have got this phone, I have got this presence, and I've got this tone of voice and a desire to make a difference in people's lives. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to put it in front of my face and talk and see where that goes. And it's just happened from there. And, like, I'm still sort of fashion blogging traditionally, but it's, like, I don't think it can be traditional when you're not doing it in sort of, like, hegemonative ways. Like, I'm really just pushing it out there and just I'm just trying my best to make people smile, I guess. And you have, like, a schedule, don't you? So you have, like, Wednesday's new in, Sunday book review... Okay, the schedule, yeah, it's literally seven days a week. So Mondays is all about motivation. Tuesdays is person of the week. Wednesday is new in. Thursday is Thursday Thoughts, which is like kind of open. Fridays is where I talk about my latest blog post. There's always a new blog post every single week. Share Love Saturday, which is actually my personal favourite, where I share 12 to 18 accounts that I've seen in the week that I'm like, you need to love, you need to like. And then Sundays, which is Cornerstone Content, All Star Sunday Book Reviews, which are probably my most watched things ever which is unbelievable but there you are in terms of the book reviews and the the stuff that you review what what is that is that literature is that uh, art books is it fashion what is what are you oh it's, it's like pure fiction we do literature and obviously um to begin with it was just whatever i was reading and now book pr send me books as well so it's it's things like that and um it purely because I, I started reading because I had I had free time, but in short blocks. And I was like, what am I going to do with this? I was like, read. And I grew up dyslexic and like really struggling to read and write properly. And then obviously now I'm a writer and I write. And I was like, let's get the reading level up there. And I was like, I'm going to read a book every week. And I did a book every week last year and I've just continued doing it. And I think sometimes it's hard to connect with books through Amazon reviews or through what someone's sort of like your mum said. But if you can see someone sort of similar to your age or similar interests you and think, oh, they like that book. Maybe I'll like that book too. It's sort of that community vibe. And if I could pass the books through the screen, I'd do that too. But, you know, when the future catches up, we'll get there. But what's nice about that is that that's not content that I would automatically assume would be something that you would be creating. Um, and so it's just a different kind of string to the bow, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's niched, but also diverse. It's just, uh, I think now mainly my brand is positivity with a bit of like, it's a bit kooky as well. What can I say? I, I just hope people like it. I mean, people t- are tuning in. So obviously either that or everyone's just tuning in to be like, what the hell is Ben doing? We don't get it, but we're kind of like into it. I just don't get how you managed to, because some of the books you read are really thick books. I'm like, you managed to read them in a week. And I'm just like... How? Oh, don't get me giving my Ray my secrets. 
just well, like, okay. through it. It's amazing. So right here's the thing. So I record everything a week in advance. So the content you see this week will have been shot last week. I am actually a book and a half ahead. So I try and aim to finish a book by the middle of the week, giving myself up to, if I need it, two slash two and a half weeks to read it. So I can adjust and then I'll slip in a shorter book or I'll clear my schedule three hours and like speed read. All the secrets. <laughs> Dedication to the gram, like that is. Yeah. But it keeps, it keeps me sane as well. Like I'm doing it just as much for everyone else as I'm doing it for me. Like that routine, that set schedule. Otherwise I just, I don't know what I'd do. And I think in terms of like, we're all going through like crazy upheavals in like schedules and work lives. Having a routine will keep you alive. Having a set schedule will stop you losing to the demons in your head. And I know that sounds corny, but it is so true. And it's it's something that I'm kind of dealing with, and as as most people are across the UK and around the world, is actually you know even little things like waking up at eight, having a shower, having breakfast yeah. before you start work is just like crucial to to your own kind of um, mentality and your own mental health. Yeah, absolutely. When you leave a chasm of time open with no structure in it, how can you expect for your brain not to spiral? Or how can you not um, like be going over the bad things that happened five years ago or a conversation where someone gave you a meal and you said, you too, when they said, enjoy it. Like you need to fill your time. Otherwise your brain is going to run away with itself. Write that down and frame it. <laughs> quote, quote it, the everywhere, but it's very true. Um, and so other than Instagram, what else... What other things are you working on or doing or... Well, if this had been like three months ago, I would have been like, oh, so I have a column. I'm working on a book proposal. My TV agent, hi. But sadly, everything's just like freelance life. It's just, there was no TV agent. Well, not recently anyway. Um, everything's just dwindled. Everything's just dwindled. But I have picked up some freelance work recently. So I am writing um, for some new and different websites. And I'm also sort of pitching to, I'm looking at the heritage sector at the minute because they're finding engagement is really hard to convert so I'm sort of like uh, a communication engagement expert as well as being a writer and all sorts of bits and I'm working on other podcast projects as well oh, wow, not, awesome. not that I'm coming for your gig either not at all <laughs> but you you did have a podcast last year you were doing like the 15 minute yeah so there's in two podcasts in the past and last year was the happy place so yeah. sort of like a wellness mental health podcast that sort of took out what i did on instagram but made it more focused we looked at motivation mental health um well-being and how to address mistakes and things like that um that was coming back this sort of summertime but that's been put on hold because it's going to be an interview series so it's sort of like um going to be focused about like the worst case scenario and how people from all different career paths have sort of worked themselves out of those situations because I find the best way to educate is through experience you can't just sit and tell someone that that's how it is you have to say no I went through this this is how I sort it and give them a range of flavors and that way people will work out what will work for them and I guess it's a, that's a good way like you're yeah, learning from experience because as long as you're getting told how to do something it's like well it's not it's not the most motivational way to do things if you're just being told like this will work this that happens actually no I want to see that from someone else's experience at least yeah be on that absolutely 
yeah, self-help books don't work because you're just reading somebody else's words. How's that going to mean anything to you? You need to see it. You need to hear it. You need to experience it and know, first of all, how bad it got for someone else. Because I think a lot of issues and difficult things that happen in our lives feel very isolating and they feel very personal. And I think once you get someone else talking about their experiences, it suddenly feels like you're in a community again, that you're able to experience what someone else is going through. And I think like that community feeling that I'm not alone is the biggest boost to anyone you can give just to say yeah this happened to me too it'll happen to you and we'll get through it and so so what is that queer story for you where where has all of this come from oh let's get sad let's get the violins out no but um I think for a lot of people the narrative for queer people especially you spent your first 20 years of your life not being able to say who you are not being who you are and all your peers around you basically making you feel like the worst version of yourself possible. Like I, I never really got the chance to come out. I never really got the chance to understand my relationship with my own queerness because I was told from the age 10, 11 by bullies, by people around me that this is who I was and that is what the world wants for me and that's that. And so basically up until I was about 20, I really hated my queerness. I I hated my difference because it did not give me the freedom that everyone else seemed to have. It pushed me to the boundaries of society and I was left with nothing, sort of, if you will, social isolation. And then from 20 onwards, it was when I began to sort of, that was more, so we're talking about like five, six years ago, when Instagram really began to take off. And suddenly we had a whole world in our hands. Like we could really see so many different walks of life. And that's when I began to sort of see loads of different accounts. And I sort of thought to myself, no, actually being who I am is okay. And what's more, there's worth to that. And I think sometimes trauma can lead to the best healing and the best sort of education or just even guidance just to say, look, you know where you came from. Now you realise what beauty you have in your own gift. And so that sort of roller coaster, sort of running Keating vibes is where I am today. And I think now I'm able to do my best to help or bring positivity because I've been low. I've been like life has been hell. So now I'm enjoying the heaven of life. And I want, I really, really want everyone to feel like that, even if they're not there yet, to just put them on that journey. And so growing up in in Yorkshire and then moving down to London or Surrey uh, for university kind of unlocked that initial, I mean, I work basically in Surrey, it's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, So that kind of then unlocked it for you and was that kind of not push, I don't want to say push in the right direction, but kind of allowed you to start exploring who you were and to not come to terms, but to kind of understand or start that that learning process. Yeah, I think monumental change is where you really see the best parts of yourself. So moving a long way away, moving down to London or Surrey, um, it gave me the space, the freedom, that there was no constriction on who I wanted to be or what was going on because I was in a new space. I was meeting new people almost. uh, And I I quite often think about this in terms of university, not that degrees are the be all and end all. It's almost the experience. But you pretty much, without being a sociopath, you can rewrite who you are because you can tell people what you want them to know and the stuff that you don't feel great about or you don't quite associate with anymore, you can keep to yourself. So like if you were like a horse girl when you were 14, you don't need anyone else to know that. You've like 
privated all that stuff are on you, YouTube. Are you, are you admitting that you're a horse girl? No, when you were 14. No, not at all. I am allergic <laughs> to horses and most long hair animals, so that could not be further from the truth. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you were a horse girl, <laughs> rewrite that past, Carol. No one needs to know. Unless you are a proud horse girl, in which case, you get that YouTube money. Absolutely! (laughs) Stunning! But yeah, that sort of fresh start, or that new... No, it's not necessarily a fresh start. It's almost like a new chapter. It allows you to curate who you are. And for people who are queer or identify with sort of part of the queer community, it's an absolutely necessary thing to sort of say, okay, let's start workshopping who I am and that relationship with myself. And it was invaluable sometimes I look back at my degree and I think that was the the best thing I took away not my first class honours degree certificate but the experience the people and the newfound respect for my queerness and like was London uh like or London slash the Surrey but I guess you spent probably most of your time (laughs) coming up to London yes Um, like do you think that was important or do you think you could do it Anyway, it's more just the move rather than the location. Okay, so it's 50-50 because I don't want kids to think that London London is everything because I think there's this perception that London, the streets are paved with gold. They're not, they're paved with shit, but it's what you make of it. Uh, no, I don't think London is necessarily why it was amazing. However, if you want to study in fashion, you're not going to be able to do a great job in Lancashire. I'm just saying. Um... But I mean, maybe you would make a deal with it. I don't know. Anyway, but for me, London really helped. But also, I think regardless of location, universities bring such a melange of characters, um, people from other countries that if you grew up somewhere really rural, you might never have had the chance. Like, I had really close friends and still do with someone from Slovakia and someone with Bulgaria. You can't tell me that much flavour and enjoyment for life and different culture didn't make a difference on me. And, like, I think you, at university, you get to experience all the things you didn't have growing up. And I think London as a little bubble is kind of like that for a lot of people anyway. So if it's not London, make sure that you are in a sort of like friendship group or community or degree that has lots of different walks of lives, you do not want to be faced with 50 people like you. Like I know with the queer community, we say it's it's nice to have people like us around us, but it's the differences in everyone that makes the sparks, that makes the great ideas. And so after uh, graduating, you're now back in Yorkshire. How yes. long were you in London? When do you go back to Yorkshire and how is life living up there? Uh, so I, I say in, up there. I say up there as if it's like a completely other world. We're I don't in the mean middle, to... the middle, the the Britain's biggest county, the, the north, the north. Actually, the north is not that bad, but yeah. So I was in, I was at uni for maybe like a good three years. I went back at the last possible moment, had loads of interviews for like the big job, but they just sort of fell through. Sadly, I think when you're looking at graduate entry level jobs, if you don't quite fit a box. You're not going to tick it. So sadly, that sort of left me rentless, moneyless. So I went back up north and I've been up here since about late July 2018. So 18 months. And that sort of allowed me to be like a freelance writer, content creator, because I can do whatever I want. And I worked in a shop as well. Like, I don't think it's 
bad to be doing lots of different things. And if you have part-time work, or like if you're a receptionist, that doesn't mean you're not an amazing artist still, but it means that you're able to like get money in. Now, like I'm fully unemployed and living the best life. Have you got any plans to come back down at, any, at some point, like move back to London or? You don't even know. The week before lockdown, I was doing job interviews. Like I have things lined up. I have second round bits and bobs, but it's like, hang on. We need to wait until summer. <laughs> so, yes, but everything's on pause. It'll be great to see you down here, though. I feel oh, like... Oh, yeah. Like, it's where, it's where I need to be. Like, at least two, three years of living it up in London. And then, God knows where I'll go. Paris. Oh, no, honey, no. I can't speak French. Not at all. Let the funky music play, though. <laughs> yeah, to chic. Absolutely. <laughs> and you're talking about your writing project earlier. What's that and what does that look like? Uh, so... I have had columns, I do bits and bobs. I tend to sort of, when I write, I tend to try and channel what I think is missing in the world. Like my most recent article was in Women's Health and I have had the um, an insane amount of 30-year-old women just messaging me about, I didn't realise life was like that for some people. And I sometimes think if you come from a minority or if you have experiences that don't, uh, if, if your experience of life has not been portrayed in a BBC documentary or a uh, BBC drama, then you are probably on the fringes of society. And therefore, if you feel able to, or if you have the skills, it's kind of your responsibility to share that narrative, whether you do that through art, whether you do that through fashion, whether you do that through music, somehow you need to bring that story, that journey into what you do. So I tend to do that through writing. And in terms of project, I'm trying to formulate some form of publication that brings positivity, activism, and kind of like the light at the end of a tunnel that I don't think the media is giving us at the minute. A lot of queer media is telling us either how bad it is or how amazing it is, but we need to talk about the journey and also that it's okay to celebrate where you are right now. Like, just because there are people out there with TV deals and book deals, it doesn't mean that is the goal. It's also okay to be like, no, I'm amazing right now, today, because let's face it, life is a work in progress. I think that's the one thing though, like um, a lot of us have that kind of idea of like, especially nowadays with the millennial generation that our currency is how many followers we have online, how many likes we get on our post and that gives people power and that gives people the opportunities and stuff and I think it is amplified by when you have a lot of organisations then do it, looking into that and being like, oh, we'll only give experience and a platform and a voice to the people who have those big followings and stuff. So it can leave people who are doing interesting exciting things but without the followers who are trying to build their followers but are struggling to because it's really hard to a place of things like actually they are like powerless and kind of without a... yeah I think absolutely like my biggest motivator is not thinking about the numbers like forget the numbers it really doesn't matter I don't really care how many people are following me. I want you to be here if you're enjoying it. And if that's 10 people or like a thousand people, that's not really uh, where I know I've made an impact. My impact is in the direct messages. It's in the emails. Like when someone reaches out to say, I needed to hear this today, or thank God you said this because I didn't know how to process those emotions. It's, I think we need to forget about numbers and it's more about reach and how you make someone feel. If we could get some sort of like, social algorithm 
marker of how you made someone feel that is impact and then someone with five followers that does amazing amazing content just because it makes them happy and makes other people happy will get the it's almost like the appreciation sometimes all you want people to say is thank you like I don't care where that goes just say thanks a little bit more and I think sometimes in the upper end of the influencer market it's so faceless and it's emotionless and I think there needs to be some sort of meeting in the middle of like micro influencers and bigger influencers working together to just sort of actually bring something with social worth and not tell me about another moisturizer that I don't even need. Well, I'm, I met uh, a couple of influencers. Obviously, I did some work with Pride in London for a number of years. Yes. And there was one in particular who I've met like three or four times. Are we and naming still names? To this, no, we're not naming ah! names. Um, but still, every time that I meet this particular influencer, they still don't know who, don't know who I, I'm inverting my finger, doing inverted commas with my, uh, my hands here. They still pretend that they don't know who I am. And I'm like, the I'm, disrespect. my ego gets bruised every single time. Let me tell you that. I think like visibility in terms of that is that is cruel because as human beings we crave being recognized and being seen and I think sometimes people get so wrapped up in themselves that they forget the way they can make someone feel just by being cold. It's just it's horrible but there are people like that and to the listeners at home wherever you go in life there are going to people people like that and it's just one of those things it's kind of the shit that's paved on the streets in london you just step over it hon it's okay we'll rise up i'm really glad we didn't name names because otherwise i'd be calling that person a turd (laughs) (laughs) i think we all can name quite a few names as well which is the sad thing um and you went back to something you mentioned earlier you said activism so is your form of activism your positivity your fashion or is there something else you do as well as those things that is your activism too I think we get activism confused with big gestures. Activism is any level of improvement, change, or like maintaining a status quo. And when we think of the queer community, sometimes when we think of activism, we only think of the big things. We think of the big marches. We think of like the big angry gatherings, but we forget the small parts of activism. Activism is anything you do that brings people in and makes other people's lives better. So activism can be putting up content that makes someone smile, but then going the extra level, putting on captions for people to be able to read it and making sure that that is, has the best sound possible for those that have hearing problems making sure that content will reach as many people and have the best possible chance of creating change or creating a positive impact. So my activism is a blend of all of who I am, plus layers of uh, things and advice and just things to make people's lives better, whether that be a big gesture or just a small daily occurrence, it's all under the umbrella of activism. And we've we've had this discussion multiple times, Darren and I, about whether or not we consider ourselves as activists. And every time this conversation comes up, I have to remind Darren that they are an activist through and through, even though they might not like that (laughs) title. I think if you're putting out media, that's activism. Like this kind of podcast is not the norm. It's not what most media channels are going to instinctively think of creating. Therefore, that is a form of activism. If what you produce goes against the norm, then that's activism. And I I think we need to redefine our feelings towards activism. Activism is good. And being an activist is good. However you do it and however you relate with it, it is only positive. So whoever's doing the PR of activism, 
need to back up their ideas. But you are right, and it, it goes back to even addressing um, homophobia in your family context, for example. The Gavin and Stacey uh, special Christmas episode is a prime example of that, where actually queer people across the country were explaining to their heteronormative families exactly why that is problematic. Um, And I think that, you know, that is activism um, as well. And and people tend to forget that. Yeah, I mean, it was a tough Christmas for a lot of people trying to explain why saying that word is not acceptable and why it is acceptable for someone else to say, you can't say something if it hurts me. Um, it, it, It is... Uh, it's so important to be engaged. But I I have to offer this caveat. Don't feel that you have to. No one is forcing you to. And if you are either not comfortable doing it or if you do not feel safe doing it, then I would not force you into it. Activism, that's a caveat to it. You have to feel that you are able to bear the weight of what you are sharing. Otherwise, it's actually quite toxic. And I think that's the dichotomy of activism. It's your surroundings, your inner strength, and where you are right now. So there's a time and place, like sometimes, obviously, there have been people that will not have been able to raise an issue with their family at Christmas about why that word was not acceptable. But that's okay too. And not sharing it to your story doesn't mean you're a bad person or not putting it on Twitter or whatever. There are levels of being okay with doing just what you want to do as well. And it's, I think sometimes we find it hard to be like, you can do nothing too and still be aware and even even just existing, um, you know, you raise a, a really interesting point that over Christmas it was difficult for a lot of LGBT plus queer people. Uh, I fear that we are going to go through something even tougher now for a lot of LGBT plus people. Uh, I'm very fortunate that my family here are fully supportive and open and know what I'm doing. Um, but there are families around the country where that just doesn't exist. And so, you know, when I say about raising up this issue with Gavin and Stacey, actually, that's not a thing saying to be an activist you must also do that it's not a tick box exercise because as you said earlier we're all on our own journey and and the decisions that we make individually even small things that we may think are insignificant still is activism Uh, absolutely and like i i'm my heart goes out to people that are being literally forced back into existences they work so hard to get out of but if you are struggling you need to sort of be firm a lot of uh, trauma with our families is not always the, the the furthest end of the spectrum. It's more the microaggressions, the things that make us snap, the things that make us say things we don't really mean. And if you have a stable-ish relationship, this is not going to work if you have uh, high levels of abuse or trauma. Um, but if you are in a stable-ish relationship, carve out your space and put in barriers that protect you so make sure that you're not spending all your time together it's quite hard at the minute not to be forced together all the time I mean I can't breathe without going into a conference call but I'm also making sure that up until a certain point in the day I'm just spending with myself recharging my batteries so that there is space for me to be who I am unequivocally so until 11 30 that's my time I don't see I don't go near anyone and I think if you are trying to work out your uh, current identity with your like 10 year old living situation 
carve out those spaces. And if they truly love you, they will respect you for that. And if they don't, still take the space anyway. It's not your problem. And and so in uh, quarantine, in lockdown, what are your plans? How How is that looking? So you've just mentioned that you're keeping your own time till 11.30. What other things are you doing to kind of maintain your inner peace? Um, it, like routine is super, super important, but it's also not uh, allowing the news to overwhelm you. I think that's something that's going crazy at the minute is the news machine of like constant bad news bad news bad news and I think for me I have taken time away from that because I don't need that in my ear all the time I've actually stopped watching the news because I genuinely believe if it's bad news really bad news somehow I'll get to know about it someone will tell me or it'll be on Instagram so I don't need to connect with that at the minute it's not like we're getting a diverse set of uh news stories anyway it's it's only one subject anyway and I think also a lot of people, there's sort of like a 50-50 split. So half is everything's awful, doom and gloom. And the other half is I taught myself pottery. I can now speak French and I'm doing flamenco in my garden. Aren't I amazing? It's like you don't also need to do everything. It's it's super, super hard because I can't tell you how to feel. But I can also tell you to connect with yourself by saying, I want to do this, I don't want to do this. So if you want to sign up for an open university course and improve a skill that you want, you go and do it. But also don't feel that you are less if you don't. It's totally fine to be like, no, I'm going to sit and read a book or no, I'm going to watch an entire Netflix series. I think it's hard to moderate how we feel. So try and make sure that you are pleasing yourself and yourself only. I don't know. Like, I haven't watched Tiger King yet and I feel like a bad person. But, like, also, I don't I don't want to know about Carol Baskin. It's not my thing. <laughs> but you're exactly right. There's a ton of pressure through things like Instagram and Twitter and other social media platforms that is this narrative around, oh, you've got all the time off in the world now. You must go and learn a new language and you must go and improve yourself. And if you're not improving yourself, you're doing this wrong. And actually, no you know, you can sit and just live your authentic life. And if that is sitting around watching Netflix, you know, that's allowed. You don't have to live up to anyone else's standards. Not at all. I think the best piece of advice that I've seen, and I'm not even sure if I've said this or if someone else has said this, but this is not a break from life. Like, life is still happening. So engage in the way you would if this was a normal situation for you. Just do what pleases you. And I know on Tiger King, I watched the first episode of it and just couldn't get into it. I was just like, this is all so weird and slightly weirdly problematic and I just don't really understand what's going on so I kind of was like it's not for me I'm not one of those the queers that are gonna no. rave about this so you know watch not if you want all. to and I, don't really I think you can you can get the gist from TikTok basically there's enough right. on there right and everyone that's got merch about it as well like I feel like everyone's brought out like merch of that guy's face on it and I'm just like why <laughs> yeah absolutely he's not well maybe if you're into like an older gentleman, then maybe it's for you. I don't know. I feel like that's another episode. I'm not, getting, <laughs> I'm not going there. So going back to like the whole fashion thing, what? Are, who are some of your like fashion influences? <gasps> oh no, that's a massively open-ended question. I can't possibly... Yeah, I'll be fine with this question. Okay, so fashion influences, it's like a real mix. Like I grew up not... I guess when you're younger, you don't really understand something until it becomes a passion. But like a, a lot of the people that sort of founded big things are the people that I look to like I know that Carl was problematic but I have a massive passion for Karl Lagerfeld particularly 
like pre ninety five Chanel Couture is the shit. That stuff is amazing. It was pure unfiltered fashion, but also like lots of mid nineties fashion is amazing, like Cork Montana or Todd Oldham. Like if you kids do not know who these people are, literally head to Instagram, you will find them, and it's just very much. It's hard to pinpoint it. It's more of like a feeling, how something makes you feel. And that is what fashion makes me feel. Like that buzz before you sit down to like a runway show, when the lights go down, but before the music comes up, that weird fizzing sensation for me is what fashion does for me. And looking back at like past people like Galliano or Alexander McQueen, like they had it. I don't know what it is, but they had it. And then now, like, it's also very modern. Like, I love the kids on Instagram. Like, there's loads of amazing people. But also, like, I gravitate between, like, weird queer references and also, like, late 20s, 30s, sort of, like, mid-sized mum bloggers. Like, because they also have style, too. Because, like, the way I dress is very unique. But also, like, also would look great on someone called Carol, 37, who's got two kids and, like, power walks back from taking the kids to school. But has also got yoga at 11. Like, you know. (laughs) School run at eight, yoga at 11. Yeah, absolutely. And then she can do lunch with the girls at 12.30. You can have a pinot if you've downward dogged all morning. That sounded way more sexual than it needed. <laughs> uh, it's what you took from it, honey. I didn't do anything. <laughs> what do you think of this whole new, like, um, Karen thing being a slur as well that's going around online yesterday? Oh, it's hard, isn't it? Because people get offended by the word boomer, but they are. Uh, it's hard if you're called Karen and you're nice, but also, like, we all know a Karen if you've ever worked in retail. You know who that bitch is! And it doesn't necessarily mean that she's white with half a bob. Like, there's just a vibe of... I think the Karen mindset is someone that thinks they know better than you and are going to go out of their way to belittle you and make you feel small like i said earlier there is that kind of person everywhere you go so karen is not a slur but maybe we need to think of an easier more accessible way of saying karen maybe just a bitch is that easier i don't know (laughs) yeah kind of sums up my feeling too so yeah there we go (laughs) what am i doing that outro (laughs) but we're not doing we're we're not doing... We're rounding the episode. Uh, yes, so, there um, we go. What were we last talking about? Uh, fashion. fashion. And Karen. Uh, thanks, Ben, uh, for coming on. Um, what are your Instagram and Twitter handles? What are your social media so people can come and view the schedule and watch the book <laughs> reviews and contribute and collab? You can find me on Instagram. Uh, I'm at Ben Peachy. That's Peachy spelled P-E-C-H-E-Y. And I'm the same on Twitter, but just with an underscore in between Ben and Peachy. I'm there seven days a week. And Darren... Reminders of yours? Um, so my Instagram and Twitter is mxdarren underscore. And I'm, as ever, at JKC's. And um, if you want to come on the uh, the podcast in the future, email us at fofqpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook at fofqpodcast. So thanks so much, Ben. Um, any parting words for the, uh, the audio listeners? <laughs> it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, if I could give you one piece of advice, everyone, just always be true to you. And if something makes you uncomfortable, get the fuck out of there. There you are. Love it. I love it. Hang on, let me just start again. Hang on. Ben's <laughs> 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 just like, what? What am I? What is going on right now? <laughs>
the process is divine. These behind Isn't the scenes. It? Is there a non-disclosure form to sign at the end? Because like these are trade secrets, honey. <laughs> <laughs> so that was our chat with uh, Ben uh, Peachy. Uh, great education for me on some of the fashion icons uh, that I still probably need to now do some research on so I understand what Ben was talking about. Yeah, and I love Ben. I've been following Ben on um, Instagram for a while and whenever we've interacted, it's been like always the most loveliest, uh, kindest interaction ever. And they're just a very sweet, lovely person. I think that came across throughout this episode. They um, have such a great personality and a great way of just telling stories and expressing who they are. And it's amazing to... To like be a part, like just to be part of in the same room esque, even though we're clearly not in the same room because of social distancing. And uh, I couldn't agree more. And learning about activism from a different set, you know, I use Instagram, but I'm not an Instagrammer, um, is just kind of eye opening because I don't, I still don't really get that these communities exist um, on social media. I'm very much an egotist on social media. Follow me, JKCs. Um, <laughs> it's true, it's true. Uh, so, uh, Darren, I, as ever, I'm going to ask you, when are we back? Um, we'll be back very soon with another amazing guest and activist. I love how you never give it away as to who's coming on. It's, it's like we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Should we leave it there? Yeah. Wonderful. Thanks all. See you on the flip side. Uh, bye.